0: In this issue of the Carbuncle Chronicle, army hardies, we be delving dungeons. In a realm of board, this is the Carbuncle Chronicle. Hello and welcome, adventurers, to the Carbuckle Chronicle, your podcast for everything awesome in Final Fantasy XIV. I am Basil, and I mean a mighty Lala Phil Summoner, who finally has his idealized Beckoner's coat. Name 4K Rightuskay.
1: God, we work so hard on that coat. Hi, I'm Anna. I mean a Lala Named Cormier Rytus who is an awesome dancer, but barred when there's already a dancer or a tank when we need a tank. Right now it's Gunbreaker.
2: Yeah. Hi, I'm Dylan. I'm main an Ellison White Mage named Aldric Greywind.
0: Well, welcome everyone. Huzzah! So, Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO, massively multiplayer game that's an online RPG. That is sadly not getting its fan fest this year, mm. you know, due to extenuating circumstances that are called COVID nineteen. It's just a, not a really good idea to have a fan fest in person this year.
1: It's true. I'm still gonna work on my art contest submission in case they do have something of that nature, be it online or in a future event.
0: But no, I'm I'm glad they made this decision. It is the right decision. It is the smart decision. I am sad I don't get to go, but I'm happy I don't have the choice of whether or not to go, because I was really debating not going if they had kept it. Because I was, well, I don't want to get sick if I can help it. Like there is a local con that's still planning to happen in July, and I'm just like y'all. What? No, this is I- not gone. Yeah, that yeah, scares me.
1: I saw that they were announcing guests still, and I'm really surprised.
0: I just, uh, it is, it is not the time for cons. Is Unfortunately, I, I am sorry, folks. I helped run one for 10 years, and I'm still involved in a few. But it, right now is just not, not the time. So, what we're talking about in this issue, because also the patch 5.3 was delayed until hopefully July you know, cross your your fingers and your toes that it can stay only delayed till July, but it's still going to be a minute before we see it here. So we decided to take a, a trip down memory lane to the dungeons of A Realm Reborn, and specifically the dungeons that were introduced in the big revitalization patch of 2.0, where this was the reset of Final Fantasy XIV this is literally the base game before all the patches because I I did some number crunching. And just from the set we're talking about now are going to be 16 dungeons. The patches that led us from 2.0 to 3.0 from ARR to Heaven's Ward, was another 15 dungeons. Heaven's ward only had 18 dungeons and stormblood actually only had 15 dungeons and that's including all the patches for those expansions so us talking about 16 dungeons just for being one half of arr is still a lot of dungeons because we have another 15 to go after this set
1: yeah like those are all the the hard or, like he said, these were put in after you beat the game.
0: So, the first dungeon for everybody, Cousin fourteen, when you start the game, the, your starting job, or starting class, which will eventually turn into a job, determines what continent, or what part of the continent you start on, whether it's Uldah, or Limsa Lomensa, or Gridania. But as you go through the story, everything comes to a head. ...in Limsa with your first dungeon, which is Satasha. As said in the game, After a period of relative silence following the Calamity, the Serpent Reavers has once again taken to terrorizing the inland hamlets of Lanisha, killing the men, kidnapping the women and children, plundering the storehouses, and burning what little they leave behind. For years, it was not known how the pirates were able to raid areas so far from the coast until a local shepherd sighted a band of painted ruffians entering the Satasha Seagrat, carrying large quantities of sacks and crates. Could it be there is more to this cave than meets the eye?
1: Sestasha is probably one of my least favorite dungeons in the entire game, including Sestasha Hard as well, because I just, I don't know. I don't know why I don't like it. It's not a hard dungeon at all. And it's pretty. But I just always really hated getting it in roulettes.
2: Yeah, I think part of that is just that happens with a lot of low-level dungeons because you play them so much, and by the time you get to higher levels, you're into these complex rotations, and they just feel simple. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've kind of had the same feeling with, with Sestasha.
0: I actually really like Satasha. <laughs> I think it's very novel it actually reminds me a lot of the dead mines from World of Warcraft yeah that
2: i've I've had that same thought it's kind of like go into a cave and kill a bunch of bandits is always your first dungeon
0: and it and it deals with pirates you know and the dead mines I believe leads you to a pirate ship eventually and you're also dealing you sort of see the pirate ship or pirate ship type stuff in uh, Satasha. And I love the sort of neat little things that Satasha did that you don't really get in other dungeons. When they are clearly like experimenting, like the little reel at the beginning where you have to go read a color and then you have to choose the right color to start the first boss fight.
1: That everyone misses.
2: Yeah, because I think one problem with, with randomization like that is a lot of people don't seem to go check it. Or maybe I just miss them checking it and just, you know, kind of poke around and, and brute force it. Which I, is easy to I
1: always try to do. I always try to go check it if I'm if I'm in the party because I know most people will miss it.
0: So I like I like that. I like the little area you can actually explore, which I thought was really interesting and I like it better than other exploratory areas that they've had. You mean all the different rooms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all the rooms actually do have little things in them. I kind of wish they would do more of that in later dungeon design. I I get why they don't at the end, in the end. But I really appreciated Satasha for being just a little bit more open than future dungeons were.
1: I know I started a character on the European servers and... I don't think I have mapping the realm for that dungeon because no one goes in those rooms anymore. And and I I I don't think I even had all the rooms open on my main for until I went with a full party of FC people maybe because I didn't know they were there. Like the group I was with just went straight, you know, straight on to where we need to go and I don't think I knew that those rooms were there.
2: Yeah, it seems like pugs tend to, like, if you do the same dungeon enough times, you'll find that every group takes the same path. Like, they narrow it down to just the critical path, kind of. But yeah, one, one thing I liked about Sestasha is other, other dungeons try to do the exploration thing, but... It tends to be more winding and you can really get lost, whereas this is, is pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, I I liked how in this one there was an area that you could explore if you wanted to. And but I also get that when you're rolling with Randos, that a lot of times that's just not gonna happen. And an example of what I felt was not quite such a such a good take on it, but what was still interesting was the Tamtara Deepcroft. Which is your I level sixteen thinking. dungeon?
1: Well, now the Tamtera I, I guess I was thinking the hard version. Um, before we go to Tamterra, I do want to mention with Sestasha, one thing I thought was really neat is where the entrance to the dungeon is. If you go there, you can see a bunch of you know random NPCs around, and you see this group of four adventurers. And if you walk up to them, you see them talking, and they're they're just berating their healer cuz they they only had enough gil for a few potions and and they were just so mad because it took it took her so long to come back with the potions and you don't really know much about them and then once you find out who they are later in the game going back is so just sad and seeing that is just so sad
0: oh yeah i forgot that that was our introduction of of a of an adventuring group who was supposed to be like similar to you and your compatriots, your adventuring group, that you would be going to into dungeons as an example of what not to do, of what opinions to not have, how not to act. And then they did more stuff with them that was way more even more impactful. And I think it started with Satasha and I believe you met them again during the Tamterra Deep Croft. And I think that's when that thing for them really started falling apart. So
1: Yeah, Tamterra is where a few of them or all but one of them or two of them are no longer around, I believe.
0: Yeah, and this one uh takes place like after you do your uh Lemensa in Lenosha, uh they do take you to Ulda. No, no, sorry, not Ulda. Gradania. You move on to Gradania as the next area you kind of run around in. And this was one of the first areas to do in Gridania. And so its description was, Since its establishment during the Gilmoran times, the subterranean crypt has been used for generations as a final resting place for the remains of rulers and nobles. Since the Calamity, however, the tunnels have become overrun with the Lambs of Dalamud a deadly cult who worships a now fallen satellite as their savior. It is in the deep croft that these twisted souls sightly plot revenge against those who fought to prevent the advent of Dalamud, summoning any dark presence who will aid them to this end no matter the cost. Which is interesting because you actually don't really see them again until later and Dalamud, the, the uh the Lambs of Dalamud are more in... Oh, it's an area in... Upper areas, I guess, of Uldah, where it's like near the final areas you play in Aroma Born.
1: Northern Thanalan?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northern Thanalan.
1: Oh, where that fate is in those ruins? Yeah. Okay.
0: But they get their start over here in Gradania, hanging out in the Tamterra Deepcroft. And I'm thinking... I'm not actually thinking... Deepcroft actually isn't the, what I'm thinking of. I keep... Confusing Tamterra Deepcroft with a thousand miles of Totoro Rack. But Deepcroft, is, it's much more of a straight shot than I'm thinking of. This is the one where you go through, and as you get to certain points, uh, you have to kill bad guys to, to deactivate orbs. Right? Yes. Right. Before you you summon a, a, a Lithid or Cthulhu dude.
1: I didn't mind this dungeon so much. Even now, it's not terrible, and you would think I would hate it, because when I was doing, I don't remember if it was, it's probably the Zodiac weapon, you had to farm light. And by that point, you could, or by the time I was doing it, at least, you could unsink the dungeon and go in solo. I don't know how many times I ran this dungeon, but it took about two minutes. By yourself.
0: Yeah, that is a thing now, where all these dungeons, if you're level, like, even... 70, uh, especially I'm sure now that you're 80, you can just waltz in unsync and just decimate everything in your path if you just want to go check out the sites.
2: Man, I I was just going to say, I've never done that usually because I'm always leveling something and I think both of you guys are at 80 on everything, or is that just Anna?
1: It's just me right now. He's working on it.
2: I was going to say, so so that's not a concern. Um, But I, I... I usually do these in in roulettes more than anything and I get this one a lot. I think one thing that's interesting about these early dungeons and you see it here is there aren't a lot of like a, a lot of the mini bosses are actually just kind of normal mobs. They don't they haven't gone to the they haven't scaled up to the, you know, three boss structure that most dungeons have.
0: Yeah, that 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 is true. Like this one uh especially this one is like you're just fighting little dudes every time Just more members of this cult as you're deactivating this thing that releases the guy this also is a dungeon that has a little this little extra room just off to the side here and there that you absolutely do not have to interact with they just have a couple extra mobs you want to kill them
1: yeah and it's got treasure chests in it but again it's and it's one of those very optional you don't have to if you don't want to by the
2: time you're our level there's nothing you want in those treasure chests
0: I mean, honestly, there's not much that you want when you're that level in those treasure chests, but it's it, it's nice to see. And then after you do your your Gradania stuff, then they send you in this sort of almost trilogy of starter dungeons to the Copperbell Mines in Uldah, where it was abandoned once purged of ore, the Copperbell Mines laid abandoned for nigh on three centuries until the Amanja and sons, mineral concern, reclaimed the shafts. The guild sites set on expanding the mines downward, in a tap- an attempt to tap yet undiscovered veins of valuable metal. Unfortunately, it was not riches the powder kegs uncovered, but sheer terror. For when the smoke cleared, out poured an army of raging giants from the darkest recesses of the mines. The hecta thralls of the Lost Throne Dynasty, were at last free from their lightless prison, 300 years of hate fueling their madness.
1: I forget this dungeon exists.
0: I remember
2: doing this dungeon long ago in Roulette, but I have not seen it in forever either.
1: Well, like, I forget it exists, but when I get in there, I'm like, oh, right, this is where you have to fight a bomb pick up the sand, put the sand in the thing, go over to the the push down thing, explode the wall, go through the wall, and then it has the boss that the DPS do nothing. They do absolutely nothing. It's a big giant blob and the DPS do nothing.
2: Is that the one where you have to split the blob multiple times?
1: Yeah. Like, there's a couple of spriggins that pop up, but that's it.
2: They do some interesting things with mechanics. Like, you forget how much they were trying to teach you that boss fights have mechanics but yeah there's those those things seem frustrating going back to them more than anything now
1: I did appreciate that I did like that mechanic where cuz you're you're attacking the blob and you're like but but it's not doing anything why is it not taking any damage then you see the the push down thing that summons a bomb and the bomb you have to get the bomb next to the blob and then it explodes and then it splits it so then you attack those blobs well that's not taking damage so you do it again so finally when you have a bunch of little blobs you know you can kill them i like that a lot and then i also like with the final boss the final boss gets ads but that's a that's trying to teach you the sort of red herring mechanic where you don't have to worry about these keep focusing on the boss
2: yeah and like i said it, it is it is definitely teaching you for later, like later mechanics when that becomes a thing in almost every boss fight. It's funny to kind of go back and look at it and go like, oh yeah, even Sestasha, like all the ones we've talked about had a boss fight with mechanics.
0: I mean, definitely a lot of things and even like boss fights, especially once you get into higher raids and stuff, a lot of that either a, they introduce a new mechanic in a savage content thing that they then sort of Lesson, how it is communicated, or you know, it's not quite it's such a such a hard mechanic, but they will repurpose it for dungeons to start introducing folks that may not have done the harder stuff. They might want to try it unsynced. But even in these early ones, they're just giving you just the basic dungeons, like period. This is also one of those dungeons that I forget which one it was. Uh, I was either you know original WoW or. Maybe Burning Crusade, but there was one about dwarves, and they also dealt with like giants and stuff. And that that this one again reminded me of. what man, they really, really were were going for some of that those classic, you know, fantasy tropes with this stuff. And especially now that we know that Lallafells are actually dwarves, it makes even more sense that the, the Copper Mill mines are in the Uldah area where there's a lot of you know uh, Lallafell action going on. And, speaking of Lalafells, as it turns out for the dungeon Halatali, originally a holy place for the first Lalafel arrived in Eorzea, the twisting labyrinth of natural caverns which wind through this massive mesa were transformed by the Pudulus Guild into a series of training pits, animal pens, and holding cells to accommodate the ever-growing popularity of Ulda's Colosseum. After the Calamity, however, the location was abandoned, those remaining in the pins left for dead. Not all of them, however, met that fate, and now the tunnels are rife with those who survived, as well as the tormented spirits of those who did not.
1: I don't like this dungeon. I don't like it at all.
0: I, I like... I... Uh, nah, Halatalli, I can sort of... I, I could take or leave. I'm, I'm not actually all that hype on Halatalli. Yeah,
2: I, um, what's funny is when I get this in a roulette, it's usually like, oh, that will be easy. The first thing you fight, like, the first boss is the the fire thing. Yeah, the fire thing. That has all the, and what's funny is I still don't know what that boss's actual mechanics are. I've had, I think I've had pugs that have, like, diligently killed all the ads, and I've had pugs that have just focused on him, and both work, so. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: The idea is that as the adds hit the the flame, it's supposed to do AOE damage, and it should overwhelm you there for you when to kill the adds. But in reality, it never deals that much damage to you, so honestly, you can just burn down the boss and it doesn't matter.
1: I I, I don't- this dungeon's not hard. It's fine. I don't- like, the, the chain thing is always- just makes it feel so long. Because you have to pull those chains. Sometimes they're mobs. Sometimes it's a chest. But you have to do all of them or you can't continue on. And it's it's just annoying.
2: The other thing I remember about this being weird is the, the Thunderclap dragon that you fight. Right. It's such a... Uh, it's like Thunderclap Quiver or something. Um, I honestly
1: don't remember the name. <laughs>
2: he's he's like in this big pit. And you have yeah. to fight him on the stairs, and it's just... It it feels awkward the way you have to fight him. It feels like you're not actually going into the boss room. You know, it
1: took me probably two years to realize you can go on either side.
2: I still did not realize that. I think I've gone the right way maybe once.
1: Yeah, most everyone goes to the left, but you can go to the right and do it the exact same way.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's just the same room, Beard. But... But yeah, I I do kind of like how the mechanics of the first boss fight kind of come back in the last boss fight. Where you do have to kill the adds because the boss is invulnerable until you defeat the the fire guys. Right. But that's about... I, I, I like the idea of the callback, and that was neat. So, after you move on from the level 20 dungeon... Then we get to the level 24 dungeon, which is the Thousand Maws of Totoro-Totorak, which is the one where I always get lost in.
1: Thousand Maws of Totoro.
0: Ah, it's named after a man-eating creature from ancient Pajali folklore. The Thousand Maws of Totorak was built on the site of a natural cave system beneath Silent Arbor until recently- it held all of Gradania's foulest criminals from arsonists to poachers but the completion of a new jail closer to the city heralded its abandonment which also has some weird like i forget i think it has some uh garlean sort of sub plot or that they were in there because i think you're trace you're chasing for uh one of the uh not pixies but the uh, the the beast tribe Oops. Uh The Sylphs, yeah. Sylphs. Yeah, yeah, you're you're looking for this one of the Sylphs, I believe. You're trying to track them down, I think.
1: I honestly don't remember.
2: Yeah, I don't remember either.
0: Well, like this is definitely the, the Gridania actual portion where you're running around in Gradania, uh, trying to figure out what's what's going down with those crazy Asians and and, and Garlamald and and when you go in a thousand miles of Todor- Todorak there's like a couple of like messages that you can read here and there that's why there's also like magic devices that you have to you have to trigger but
2: yeah and that's that's one of the things that that makes it tricky like it's it's another good exploration dungeon but and and if you do it right you just like slide through easy if you don't you'll just end up going around in circles and i've had i've had pugs that have done that and it's it's frustrating it's frustrating partly because I don't actually have the right way memorized fully. That
1: is I I really try to tank it if I'm going in there because I I have learned the way to go and I can lead it. Just it took so long to figure that out.
2: Yeah, I mean thankfully there are some clues. Like if you if you look at the map and it's leading you into like a what looks like an obvious side room there's probably not a photo cell there. But if you continue through the main path, you're probably fine.
0: This is this is the this is the dungeon that I always, always, always gets lost in. And I always think it's not Toto Rack, it's a deep cough, but no, it's it's Toto not Tam Tam. After that, it's everyone's favorite, Hawk Manor. I actually
1: like this one okay. I think the Halloween event really made it just grow on me even more. Now that they use that dungeon as the Halloween sort of where you do the little games and things, and I don't mind running Hog Manor. Usually, it's pretty simple once you know the path. Again, once you know the path and which rooms you need to go into and which rooms you don't need to go into, it definitely has that that same exploration as like Sestasha and the first few dungeons where it has optional rooms.
2: I feel like this this is actually one that most pugs know the right way to go on and so that's why it's usually less frustrating
0: it's a level twenty eight dungeon which means that back when you uh heavens ward hit it was the the dungeon the first dungeon you could do as a machinist or astrologian so if you're doing leveling especially in the beginning of heaven's ward you would almost always get Hawk Manor and I have liked how they've sort of repurposed this, because this is clearly the most Halloweeny thing that you could use. And they've made good use of it. And the reason why it's so Halloweeny is because, once used by Seed Seers as a place for spiritual reflection and meditation, Hawk Matter was long frowned upon the people of Grudani as a symbol of excess. After years of protest, the building was finally sold to a wealthy duskwright by the name of Lady... Amandine. While little is lone of the lady, it was said that she was exceptionally vain, and to maintain her impeccable beauty, she would spare no expense. From facial creams concocted from rare Curthus honeys to shampoos derived from the milk of exotic furballs, her daily ritual beauty treatments escalated until it was rumored she was bathing in the blood of her virgin maidservants. No amount of man-made tinctures, however, could hide the hideous scars he eventually suffered during the Calamity. And from that day forth, she was forced to turn to a darker solution, signing away her very soul in a final effort to, quote, save face. We'll Where... say the
2: one, the one frustrating thing about this one is you cannot brute force the final boss fight, and every once in a while you'll get a group... That doesn't know to turn off the void lamps.
1: Actually, you can now. Like, I don't know if they've done anything different, but most groups I've been in lately just ignore the lamps. They just, they just completely really? ignore them. Yeah, they'll just I've heal. i I guess it just depends on your healer, maybe. But yeah, like the last few times I've been in there, I've gone to a lamp to turn it off, and no one else is. So I'm just like, all right, screw it.
0: Okay, then. <laughs> I I also remember this, this dungeon because uh, there is a blood trail leading to the door, I believe, heading downstairs for that section. And a friend of mine, as we were playing, she was like, ah, Sephiroth. Because it looks very similar to the blood trails <laughs> that you would find in uh, the Shinra Tower. After, oh my after gosh, Sephiroth it
1: does! Up.
0: Yep. Now, your next stop in our journey looking through all these previous dungeons is everyone's favorite stop. The uh, Brave Long Stop.
1: This dungeon almost made me quit the game. I hate this dungeon. Even now. It's not hard. I just hate it. But no, this dungeon especially was one of the first ones I really started going into as a tank. Because I started as a warrior or a marauder. I went in there as a tank. We got to the first boss. And... We could not beat it at all. Finally, the healer went, look, your gear is absolutely terrible. I can try and heal you through this, but you're not going to survive, most likely. And so I left, and I was humiliated.
2: That's funny, because I I feel like I've had the same experience where I, I get called out for having gear that's too low because I just forget to buy more. And then my mind automatically goes, oh yeah, that was a tough fight, even if it wasn't. That's just how I remember it. Yeah. Well, and well in my in my
1: defense, this was my first MMO. I didn't really know what I was doing.
0: Well this uh, is also this is the first dungeon where the rubber like meets the road a little bit. Oh yeah. Like this is the first dungeon That's out to actively kill you. This is a dungeon where the gear you really want to beat the dungeon is in the dungeon.
1: Yeah. Like, I didn't think my gear was that bad. But yeah, that healer was like, I can try to heal you, but you have to get better gear. I was like, oh, okay.
2: I like I said I've done that up through like Heaven's Word content where I'm going in leveling another class and I'm just so focused on the grind that I forget to buy new stuff because hey it's been ten levels.
1: Oh yeah, and heck I'll even go in now as a level eighty, you know, with some raid gear on, and
2: it still hurts. I think this was one like this was one of the first dungeons that the free company helped run me through. And I remember, like, I remember getting this in roulettes for a while, and I have not done it in forever. So, I don't, like, I probably, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine.
0: I, I remember this is one of those dungeons where everyone kind of, when the hard version of this was introduced, everyone's like, man, this is easier than the original one.
1: Yeah, it really was.
0: So, before we move on, I of course want to do my reading of uh, of the of the stuff. Where, of course, this is from the required required quest. The things we do for cheese, because we were trying to find that cheese for like the the heroes of Aorius or whoever was, because we were fighting. Uh, was it Titan? Yeah, it was Titan.
1: Oh yeah. And we
0: were trying to become worthy of of being able to fight Titan. Boy. The zaps feel so silly now. But after a tiring journey across Eorzea, it is deep within the quiet jungles of the Raincatcher Gully where the charismatic and enterprising young goblin, Brayflox Altox, chooses to build her tiny empire. What she does not realize, however, is that something else, something sinister, has also made the lush forest its home. Now driven from the rightful claim Greyflox and her brethren seek to retake the land and are not above asking for the help of lesser races, that would be you, to help them do so. Because you fight a dragon!
1: And you have to drag that dragon all around this little bitty room because he's spitting poison and if he's standing in the poison, he heals himself. Yep. The the key to this dungeon is to make sure you have a tank that's competent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, although even I could drag the brass around like i I learned that
1: I mean you've done it as a summoner
0: it's true i I mean, there was back in the day back when you can actually uh tank things with your chicken nugget titan eggy i once i think had to do it was a random leveling I was doing where I had to use my titan to drag the 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 dragon around because the tank refused to it was weird wow, yeah. So, now, Braithlox was bad, but for me, I remember my, my first real roadblock in playing this game, you know, doing the AR content, you know, back when it was a thing, was in fact the level 35 dungeon, the Sunken Temple of Karn.
1: This one was hard, was difficult. I The first boss especially, that's the one that would really just make or break the group. I don't know how many times I've gone in and in progress, and they are stuck at the first boss.
2: Well, the first boss has, like, an insta-kill, doesn't he? Yeah, he has a doom that you
1: have to cleanse.
2: Yeah, and you have to be, like, you have to stand in a certain place. So, yeah, if you don't know what you're doing, this can easily just screw you in an instant.
1: Dungeon, I actually ran this the other day, and this dungeon has a very similar mechanic to Sestasha, where there's something at the very beginning you need to look at to solve a puzzle later in the dungeon. For this one, there is a set of scales with two tablets with an image on each. One is a, on the left side the a flame, on the right side is, looks like grapes, but it's fruit. And throughout the dungeon, there's a bunch of different tablets you can pick up, and some of them open different rooms and whatnot. But I was running the other day, and you get to it's right before the last boss that you put these stone tablets on the scales that open up that right before you get to the boss room. And you have to put the correct tablets on the correct spots. And if you do, a secret door opens on your left with about four or five different treasure chests in there. And one of the people I was with went, I never knew there was a correct answer to that.
2: I. I feel like I've seen pugs just bypass that, and so... They will. I think it's... Is there a fixed answer? I don't think it's randomized.
1: No, it's a fixed answer. Um, It's always the flame on the left and the fruit on the right, and both of those tablets are found in the side rooms uh, where you, you have the two heads that you have to kill on one pedestal and then one on the other side of the room when you kill them on those two pedestals those two rooms open and they are skeletons and a bogey a bogey monster you go in both of those you kill them and those are the two tablets you need like you don't need any of the other tablets throughout the dungeon just unless you want to get extra stuff but those are the two tablets you need to put on the scale at the very end of the dungeon to get the secret room
2: for some reason i th- i thought you had to pick up all the tablets like to progress but yeah, I guess that makes nope. sense. I I do love those stone faces having that mechanic, having like that positional mechanic. Because that like that's happening outside a boss fight. That's just kind of a random mob that you're fighting. But it, it still requires you to kind of like figure that out and you know, figuring out mechanics is, is always like really satisfying as long as it's not like too brutal.
1: Oh yeah, I, I think they're fun,
0: and I really, I really enjoy that. You know, they gave us an Indiana Jones movie in a in a dungeon, right? Uh, where you can be under the for- unforgiving Thannaland sun, lie, a ruins of an ancient temple half devoured by the shifting sands of timeless desert, through used though used by the ancient Veladanians as a way to worship the sun goddess Azamina. The massive underground structure appears to be far older than a sixth astral era civilization. That, however, did not deter beladanian sultans from each adding their own chambers to the original construct to bid, to a bid achieve immortality through creation. In the subsequent years since the fall of Beladania, many adventurers sought to explore the temple's mysteries and perhaps return with the treasure of a lost era, only to fall victim to one of the complex traps set to prevent that very thing from happening. Then after that is Cutter's Cry. That's one of the weird ones.
1: Again, this is one that, if you get it in progress, you're it, it can be a little difficult for some groups.
0: Well, this one was just weird. Because this is the one where you constantly are going down, down, down.
1: Yeah, you're going through the Shifting Sands.
0: Where it's apparently near an old mountain path once used by six Astral Era woodcutters. As a detour through the more perilous stretchers of Northern Thanalyn, lies a cave sought out only by the ignorant or the foolish. Upon first glance, the shade of its maw might appear inviting to one who seeks to escape the punishing rays of the midday sun. However, any good woodcutter knows to keep his distance, for it is said all who enter never return. The cries of the damned echoing up from the depths, the only testament to their folly. Heed this dire warning, and you may live. Ignore it, and soon it shall be your screams that add to the cacophony. Now, Now, I don't feel that that is... Boy, that sounds way more dangerous than this dungeon actually is.
2: I'll be honest, the thing I remember about the chimera is that I do this dungeon so early, I can never remember whether blue or violet means in or out.
1: Purple means in, blue means out.
2: And I will forget it by the next time I do it. Yeah, I just was... remember
1: that blue means ice around the boss, so you don't want to be near the boss. And then purple is, just get in.
2: That's actually, yeah, that's a good way of, of
0: handling it. And then we finally get to meet those crazy Ishgard folks. And the Stone Vigil.
1: This dungeon always seemed so incredibly long. No matter when I did it, it always just seemed so long.
2: Do do you know why that was?
1: Maybe just because people were slow in it, but I always felt like it took at least 45 minutes to an hour to clear.
2: Yeah, I feel like some of the boss fights in this are a little bit bigger. Which is actually kind of why I like it, because now we're starting to get into the real challenge, and you have to know the patterns. But, yeah, I I know what you mean. It feels like a bigger dungeon than some of the other ones.
0: I also wonder if, because it takes place in a ruined castle, that everything looks a little similar. It's very much got sort of the icy, cold, wintry look to it everywhere, and you're just fighting lots and lots of dragons. That is a good point, because I
2: know there's a couple stretches where I'll be doing it like, oh, oh, right, yeah, we've got the ice sprites here and another round of dragons again, okay. You know, and you, you, you're you right, you just forget.
0: It is uh, one of four watchtowers built along the Sea of Clouds but a city-state of Ishgard. The stone vigil was overran and occupied by the Dravanian Horde not long after the Calamity. The following years have seen the Knights of House... Durand dr- 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 br- makes several attempts at reclaiming the fortress, but to no avail. What could it be that thwarts their every effort? Dragons, dragons. It was dragons. Yeah, it's always yeah. When it's Ishgard it's always dragons. But I'll always rather take Stone Vigil over that level forty four dungeon Dijmail Darkhold. Like I okay, so I get what you're saying.
2: Like this starts dragging towards the end, but I really like that first dungeon or the first boss where you have to, like, pull him into the uh, the crystal glow area and, and time your path through it. Like that was always interesting because that's another aha moment when you finally figure out what you need to do.
0: Oh no, I like this boss fight. I just always felt I would get lost before I got there.
1: And it was also interesting because they had the the sort of time ish mechanic where you had to stand on a thing for a certain amount of time, and the more people in it, the faster it went. But it was always weird. I felt they were always oddly placed because they were always well, a couple of them were not in a terrible area. The first one, the first two especially, most of the time you're going to get hit by the the floating eyes like he'll put out put, put out like a pulse. A lot of times you'd get hit by that and it hurts if you're not in a crystal. And then the last one, the last two actually, you're in the path of the crystal AoE that's going off. And so you guys have to make sure that the healer knows you got to get healed while you're standing in these.
2: Oh yeah, I I always thought that was intentional that you have oh, to stand was. In, in, in a place where you're going to get damaged. I didn't realize that more people makes it go faster, but I always figured, like, you need... The tank, at least, has to be the one doing that, or you're you're probably going to have a hard time.
0: Uh, I cannot remember if this one was the optional dungeon or if it was Aurum Vale, but at the end of the day, everyone has to unlock it to do, like, the leveling roulettes and stuff, so it's not... Everything's really... At this point, required no matter what you do. But, I remember out of those two, I think one of them was you didn't have to unlock, but everyone did anyways. If memory serves, I think possibly Halle Tally was also similar to that. And I think maybe even Cutter's Cry? I honestly don't remember, I just did them all. Right. So anyways, seeking to utilize an existing labyrinth of natural caves, the Asgardian House of Dismail began construction of their opponent's darkhold, near the end of the sixth Astral Era, intending it to serve as refuge for those fleeing the flames of the Dravenian horde. When the house is digging uncovered an entrance to the void, allowing an army of void sent into this realm, however, they immediately abandoned their plans and withdrew from the subterranean, sealing it off so they might contain the other worldly invaders within. Despite all of this, the house is unwilling to relinquish its claim to the caves because they are elves and believes if they are to be cleared of void sin, they might still be able to see their original plan through to fruition. Because her elves, also, now that I'm really thinking about it, that sort of prophetic or or or, or not prophetic um, thing that I'm thinking of that I forget, where you're 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 placing foreshadowing, some. foreshadowing, foreshadowing, for foreshadowing. Yes, because they refuse to let to 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 uh, let anyone else have. Their 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 stash, their their hoard, much as if they were dragons themselves, which they fight all the time. Hmm. Following after that one, like we mentioned, the level forty-seven dungeon. It was this place. Um, it's called the Orum Vale, where soon after its discovery, miners across from all the realm flocked to the Orum Vale, driven by rumors that deep within, lay endless veins of mithril. What they found instead was gold, but not the sort that would make them rich. Believing the substance, precious aurum, miners unknowingly stumbled into the deep pools of glowing venom, thereafter known as gold bile. Not only did the liquid burn their skin, but the noisome fumes given off by the foul ooze cooked their lungs when inhaled, bringing in on a quick yet excruciating death. These truths, however, have done little to prevent new miners from braving the suffocating shafts, now even more driven to find those who entered where the others four could not. Because Darby Marlborough's here.
1: Do
2: you yeah. like status effects? I hope you like status effects.
1: What's your favorite status effect, all of them? Yeah, this one if you got through the first room, you're doing good. Once you get through the second boss, you're you're good. It's just getting yeah. there.
2: Yeah, the first room if if you're not careful on your Aoes, you're just gonna bring everyone down on top of you. I, I've done this. I've been leveling dancer, and I don't have a good sense for the range on um, standard step. And I, I'm pretty sure I've brought down the whole room on us a couple
0: times. Uh but uh, even like well, even like things like coin counter was was brutal back in the day. Like it just had hard bosses in it. Honestly, like this is one of those things where and if you're not careful, uh, there's a couple of areas where the mobs will just, you know, swarm you. You think you can keep going, but this is definitely one of those the for the first dungeons that makes you kind of want to take it slow if you're not really on top of your game.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, because um, you know, like we said, a lot of the bosses have status effects and you have to kind of manage your resources to eliminate those status effects. And then like you said, there's there's one place towards the end where you have to fight, I think it's like two of the coin counters, and they're packed in the same room, so it's it's really easy to just bring both of them down on you.
0: But yeah, this is everyone's favorite dungeon. Of course, our next two dungeons are only kind of sort of dungeons, like, we're talking about Castrum Mirandium and the Praetorium. Where they're both the level 50, like, in-game eight-man dungeons, which was a really interesting idea that they stopped doing after them, because they were also filled with cutscenes that didn't quite work out as a thing that you can run over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, I mean, these these are the two big, you know, you're this is the ending of, of Realm Reborn, essentially, and... This is how you're beating the story and to to put it into dungeons like these made it really difficult, especially when the cutscenes were skippable. Because if you were new, you'd go in and people that had done it would skip the cutscenes and just keep going and you would miss probably a boss fight. I remember both of these dungeons gave me panic attacks so bad because I didn't understand them. No one would ever explain what you do or they would try to explain as we went And, like, there were some times where you stayed with a cannon while people ran off to get other things and bring them back, or then you ran with them to get to other cannons, and I was always doing the wrong thing, and it just confused me so much.
2: Yeah, I want to say, like, one of these is the one where you can take the the big shortcut, right, and just kind of skip whole sections.
0: That was the Praetorium.
2: Yeah. I think that's also the one where you get the Magitek key. Yes. I've, like, I, I remember doing that a couple times where I've, I'd have i fallen behind everyone doing the shortcut, just somehow completely missed picking up the Magitek key and just been, like, running as people are doing boss fights.
1: Yeah, that was the other thing, is you had to touch the console so you could get into the Magitek armor, but if no one told you to touch the console, you'd think, oh, you just have to interact, someone has to interact with it, not everyone has to interact with it, and then you're screwed
2: yeah, well I mean that's the way dungeons usually work is there's no individual items everything like if if you complete a piece it's done for the entire group.
1: Exactly. So this one to have it be completely different was so weird.
0: Yeah, they definitely intend this to be like a big showstopper and honestly I think I think it's like especially the praetorium I think is super cool. Like I like the idea of like oh, th- you know fighting waves of garland garlian forces, then getting to your magic armor that you had worked on and sort of been doing stuff with with quests right up until then, and then having your your big fight with oh, what's Sid's good buddy, what's his Nero, tur- yeah, Nero with his awesome electrical hammer. And then you're fighting Gaius, and then you're fighting Ultima weapon, and then you're fighting La, like, it is such a cool thing. And man, I, I kind of wish it was, I I really feel that at this point, it really should, it should be like one of those, um, duty calls type of things where, uh, you just, you go through it, but you don't have to do it as a party. You just do it with yourself and NPCs.
2: Yeah, or they should have split it up. Like I, I, I know in later dungeons they do this, where you go through the dungeon, you finish it, and then you do a trial af- immediately afterwards. And if they had kind of broken it up like that, that might have that might have helped.
0: It, it would have, and and that clearly, this is where they discovered that was the formula to do. They, they realized that this didn't quite work, and even then, I think. For example, like with Castrum uh, Mirandium, and Praetorium, especially with the eight man thing, I, I really also see that sort of that evolving into the the twenty four man raid series. Yeah, those, that makes sense. Those kind of feel like big old dungeons, but with like twenty four people versus you know four. So that 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 to me is is that. But then after you quote unquote beat the game, they knew they needed. To have you do some dungeons to grind on to get your tombstones. And so they introduced two of them as your post beating the game dungeons. And the first one of which was the Wanderer's Palace.
1: This one is is terrifying.
2: This is the one where the uh Tonberries chase you.
0: Yes, yes, yes. yes.
1: The giant Tonberry chases you with a giant knife.
0: Yes, because for you see, for you see Altrick. Decades of cobalt mining deep beneath Ongormo gradually weakened in upper Lenosha to the point where, when the calamity struck, the land surrounding the bronze lake collapsed, draining its waters, revealing a palace of unparalleled beauty. Though to have been built by the Nemean civilization which thrived in the area some fifteen centuries ago, the palace appears to have been dedicated to their patron deity. Ashkan, the Wanderer. In search of the bounty she may hold, treasure hunters have already begun to delve into this forsaken place. But will treasure be the only thing they find? Nope, it's Tom Barry's. Yeah. But you
1: also learn are Lollithells.
0: Who are Nimians who got cursed. And, yeah. I,
2: I will say, like, there's one... I can't remember if it's this one or the hard version of it, where... You have a tonberry, one of the giant tonberries, chasing you, and it's just a straight shot, and that is actually yeah, pretty it's fun. Yeah, this one. Yeah, but I think this one also has the you go into the room and you have to pick up a bunch of different oil. Like, there's like two levels of of.
1: Yeah, after you kill a little tonberry, it will drop lantern oil, which you have to pick up that to help. Unrust the Nemean devices so you can keep going.
2: Yeah, but there's one big room where it's just this maze almost, and that yeah, that is you're frustrating. talking about.
1: And there's at least two or three large Tonberries chasing you in that room.
2: Yeah, you can brute force it, but it is it is frustrating if if you don't like remember where where the different pieces are both both the uh, Tonberries to drop the oil and the devices to open the door.
1: I will say that dungeon probably gives me the most, like, Tomb Raider feel. Just not with, with only the the aesthetic and everything, that 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 sense, that feeling of something's going to jump out at me any second and kill me. That's how I felt playing Tomb Raider. Especially the Tomb Raider 2 demo when you start on the... It on, was on Windows 98 and you start... And you're going into this open area and a tiger jumps from behind you and just scares the shit out of me every time. You guys there?
2: Yeah, I just I don't know that I have anything else to say on this one. Is, is Basil there? Basil?
0: Oh, I have myself muted. And that's okay, because we have one more dungeon to cover in this round, which is Andapor Keep. For once, the lost civilization of Andapor thrived in the Twelveswood. Her citizens wielders of powerful yet forbidden magics, with a K, which could be used to alter the very fabric of existence. However, as oft the case of peoples who fancy in themselves gods, the self-assuring hubris of the Amdipori eventually became their downfall, and as quickly as they rose to power, did they disappear from the world. For a generation, this relic of their once mighty civilization has remained hidden in plain sight, soaked by the elementals who sought only to prevent a newer generation from stumbling across the ancient Amdipori magics. That is, until the lands of Dalamun, A dark cult who now worship the now fallen lesser moon as a god, dispelled the elemental's glamour by means unknown and claimed to keep as their own. Now the crazed followers use its ancient chambers to perform blood sacrifices in an effort to resurrect their evil lord. Oh, those crazy lambs of Dalamud.
1: You know, I didn't mind this dungeon so much. I actually really like the hard version more.
2: I was gonna say this is the one um, you fight the big lizard thing at the end, and yeah, that is that is always such an easy fight compared to I think like I, I just looked it up, like the book and the um, the summon, which yeah, is weird. Like, you know, usually, it's the other way around.
1: Yeah, this this dungeon never seemed too difficult, but there was always just a lot of mobs. And, like, you can skip them, but there's also a lot of Wanderers, so you could skip them, but then one of them might see you, and, yeah.
0: This one that, uh, was this one that had the Demon Wall? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This was
1: the first appearance of the Demon Wall.
0: Which I do like that
1: boss. Yes, sorry. And 14.
0: So, now that we've talked about all these dungeons, which one's your favorite of, of this set?
2: Um, I guess Stone Vigil for me, like I said, it was it was where we first really or it's the first one I remember having like some of the really heavier mechanics, like the uh the boss fight where you have to man the cannons and also tank the the dragon um and AOEs, so that I think that's probably the one I like. Plus it's it's towards the it, it's later, so you have more of your abilities, and you're you're having to kind of, you know, manage those a little more.
1: I think of all of these, probably either Hawk Manor or Tamterra, might be my favorites. I, I guess I go for the spookier types, but, but yeah, they they were never too difficult, but they always had just interesting atmosphere and fun little mechanics that, that just made it more interesting.
0: It's probably the One Piece fan in me, but I'm gonna go with you know the first one, Satasha, because I love piratey stuff, and, and and this is where I got it. So it's been over an hour, at least as far as recording goes. So thank everyone for talking with me on this, uh, Cormier and Aldrich, as well as everyone listening to the Carbuncle Chronicle, uh, a production of the awesome cast. The theme song was originally written by DJ Inebito, uh, Re configured by Anna as our amazing Final Fantasy-inspired theme song. Edited also by Anna because I love her dearly and she's great at it. Please check out our website, awesomecast.com, for all our podcasts, both 14 and not. If you you really like us, please throw us a couple of bones over on Patreon. We, we could always use more bones. By bones, I mean dollars. And until then, be careful out there in the world and and stay safe wear masks that's it's important right now it's it, the world is not great so so be brave be bold be adventurous with you know masks thank y'all and have a good rest of whatever time period you're you're enjoying
1: I'm not gonna lie i thought you did the r thing for A R R. yes okay i don't know if you were doing that because of that or pirates and sasha so
0: oh man i didn't even think I had about the same that.
2: thought